Every great film should seem new every time you see it. Hello and welcome to the 65th episode of the Midnight Cover. It's Brian Stevens. I'm Colin Smith. Uh, part two. Yeah. Part two off. We <laughs> we got the possum here. We're uh, we're rejuvenated. We're refreshed. And we're ready to get off topic and flub some words. <laughs> <laughs> All things that we are proudly known for. Yeah. This is a jam-packed episode. We have tons of stuff to cover. Cover. So I'm just going to hop right into it. Let's, go, let's go. Let's do it. So for open discussion, we're, we're going to start out talking about Flash, the Flash movie. Ah. Or, <laughs> uh, Fox just greenlit an X-Men TV show. Not Legion, not the ones on FX, but they're... We're talking Fox primetime. We're going to talk a little bit about the Oscars. Maybe maybe some snubs. Maybe maybe some some people that were left out. Maybe some surprises. Um, possibly going to talk about Sony and their potential sale uh, of their film, uh, part of the film company. But first, let's talk a little bit about Mary, Mary Tyler Moore. And then I'll, uh, then I'll give the rest of, a review of the rest of the show. So... What was your relationship to Mary Tyler Moore? Well, gosh, this I feel like we just had this conversation. This is so weird. Um, so I, I never grew up uh, watching the Dick Van Dyke show where she really got her TV start or the Mary Tyler Moore show. Um, but I, I just, I, I guess my most of my knowledge and understanding of what she did for women in, in Hollywood always came from other women talking about mm-hmm. her. Um, she was the first woman to have her own sitcom. She was the first um, really working woman to be a, a, a TV lead in her own right uh, in, in Hollywood. And uh, I know she was she was very funny. She was a huge inspiration for a lot of people. So she will be missed. Yeah, I had a, a fond memory of the Mary Tyler Moore show. My mom and I watched it, Nick and I, all the time. Uh, it To me, she was, like, the quintessential television star. She was smart, hilarious, and beautiful. She was, like, next to Lucille Ball, she probably would be considered as one of the, you know, the main paver, pavers of uh, women in television. Pavers? She paved the way for women in television. There you go. Uh, I, I really think that, you know, we kind of, our generation has kind of forgot about her and hopefully um now we can revisit some of her her works she she really was a, a huge talent for her time she was a huge star in in, in her own right i mean and she was an example the mary Tyler moore show was really an example for working women I, it was uh, kind of gave them an icon or someone to look up to and say hey it's okay to 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 be single and to be successful in whatever industry you're in so she'll definitely be missed um so, R.I.P. Mary Tyler Moore. Farewell. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about her. So we're gonna have a couple of media hot takes, probably Maybe. mid time, and then we oh we also have an email from uh, Anal Anal Robbins. Okay. Uh, it's a really funny email, which I forgot to let you read beforehand. So maybe we'll let you read it on air. I'm I'm a fast reader. We can do this. Sure. Make it happen. Uh, and then we will end with a review of Split, M Night Shyamalan's latest. Sound, sound good? Yeah. Sound like a show to you? It does. All right, so let's start out talking a little bit about this 
this Flash movie that they keep telling us they're going to make. Yeah, so, I mean, that's, you know... So is this... Are we getting Aquaman first? Are we getting... I thought we were getting the Flash first. Yeah, we were supposed to. Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure what they're, what the plan is. They haven't... I mean, they haven't even really necessarily addressed this. They, didn't, they just... In a Flash film had a thing. Uh, birth uh, movies death had a, had a little blurb where there was a press release, I guess, where they said they were parting ways with um, Ricky Fukuyawa. I don't know how to say his last name. He's the writer-director of Dope, um, which... I forgot that he was even attached to this after Scott Graham Smith got let go. Yeah. Um, Seth Graham Smith. Seth Graham, yes. Yeah. Anyways, is that his name, Seth Graham Smith? Uh-huh, I think so. So, they've lost two directors, <laughs> and the the script that they're writing now, or that they had, they pretty much put it in a shredder and threw it away. And at this point, the new scribe is Joby Harold, who is best known for the upcoming film King Arthur, The Legend of the Sword. I don't... Uh, man. I don't know, man. I just don't know what they're doing. Maybe this is a good thing? Ricky Famu... I don't even know if I'm saying his name right, but I really like Dope. I think he was a talented... You know, he's a talented director. They don't have a director attached anymore. <laughs> yeah, as of right now, there's just no, no director attached at all, which is... Really, a good sign for uh, you know a movie that's releasing that has a set release date, it, which makes again makes me like nervous because it's like they're gonna just do the same thing they did with Suicide Squad and rush through production to get something on screen and ho- and hope that it makes five hundred million dollars. But we also have Justice League coming out and Wonder Woman in between this film, so uh, man. I don't know. I hope Joby Harold is a decent writer. DC and Warner Brothers just continues to fumble their way through these movies. I don't... I don't get it. So, according to IMDb, James Wan is still attached to Aquaman? I thought thought we talked about him leaving at one point. I thought we did, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, maybe... One of those bizarre world things. Maybe it didn't happen. We definitely talked about that. I don't know. I just... It's another another instance of why DC continues to fail. I don't... I mean... Besides the fact that we were going to have, like, character origin stories, you know, a year after, after the, the first team-up movie. Yeah. Uh, that's... Releases. Exactly. Um, they just... And we hit the reset button, man. There's nothing wrong with that. At least we don't have... Well, I don't know if this is worse because with Suicide Squad we had like um, a we had a six week before shooting starts deadline yeah. to write the script, but here we have a release deadline and maybe a script but no director attached, and I'm not really sure which of those things is dumber. So I guess we'll find out in like a year and a half. <laughs> this is a, a very expensive. This is a very expensive experiment. I mean, it really is. Yeah. Um, in Slightly better news, Fox is making their own X-Men show. Uh, So Matt Nix, who was a showrunner for Burn Notice, has been tapped to head the latest rendition of X-Men. This time it's going to be on uh, Primetime Fox. 
as a TV show with Brian Singer, of course Brian Singer, directing the pilot. Um, I mean, is this... Did, are they... Are they it's okay. Does this mean no more X-Men movies? I... Who even knows? I mean, uh... Is this... Yeah, is, is this desperate? The problem is, there's just so much... This the superhero market is just so congested and everything is so derivative. I feel like I can't tell when somebody's trying something new or when somebody is just shamelessly trying to cash in on something else. <laughs> yeah, now. yeah. And we just we know we don't we don't have any idea until we actually see a product on screen somewhere. Um, but I mean I don't <laughs> Like the here the problem with superhero stuff is if you want it to feel like a superhero f- property then you have to really the the writing is not the hard part it's the production and the effects that are the hard part. I mean either you make a, a show like um Agents of Shield which is just about more normalish less supery yeah, people, right? Because then you can scale the the production and the scope of the show to kind of meet viewer expectations, or you drop enough money to make it into a film. But I don't. I just don't know how. I mean, that's why you, superhero cartoons have been so popular. You know, right? Yeah. Or you look at something like Starship Troopers, where. The realities of the the Heinlein novel did you know it? Mm. It don't get me wrong. I love the film. Yeah, it is, it is a fantastic, fun film. But they had to change elements of production because it's just even that is not you know it's not not realistic to adapt it into um, what they originally intended. So you you take superheroes, you put them in this time slot, and you cut the I mean cut the budget. Yeah. Either way, I feel like it's going to be a massive financial risk. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's why you bring Brian Singer in to right. put his name on the put pilot. Put some cachet but... into the pilot. Right. I in this is interesting to me. I, I, first of all, I agree with everything you said. And I, that was one. That was the big question off the top of my head. Is you know, it's one thing to have Flash run really fast <laughs> and mess with that kind of dynamic because you can slow the camera down. There's so just, many just blur everything. Yeah, exactly. There's so many different things you can do it. And you're only dealing with pretty much one, maybe maybe he's fighting a, a metahuman, so maybe two. And a lot of times some of their, their effects look really cheesy on the TV show. I like that TV show actually. But when you have like multiple mutants and there's tons of makeup, I mean, can you imagine like the, the process of if you're doing Mystique or Beast covering yourself and all that makeup from it just it just seems yeah i mean so even the originals we you know beast Iceman, archangel or angel uh gene gray maybe cyclops like yeah. some of those are not necessarily easy to no. to, to play with a one of the more interesting aspects i just read this in it's a forbes article the other article i read didn't mention this but i find this extremely interesting so Everybody knows that during the 90s, Marvel sold off some of their uh, their uh, film properties, mm-hmm. X-Men being one of them. Uh, Fox bought X-Men. <laughs> Don't forget about Fantastic Four. And Fantastic Four. One thing that was a caveat in this deal was, although 
Fox owns the rights to film franchise and all the characters associated with X-Men or mutants, Marvel is required to approve of any TV series. So they could kind of squash this or maybe inject some of their own um, talent into the that, British production. That would be a bad idea because right now the public perception is that Fox has yeah. run this franchise into the ground. <laughs> yeah. I think if they stay hands-off and uh, let them fuck it up, maybe they have a chance of Bring it, buying, yeah. back, buying back. Similar to IP. Sony and Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, honestly. I mean, either they say no or they don't touch it. But yeah. If you, you know, if you don't have a financial stake, I don't know why they would bother um, helping. No, you're right. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't. Yeah. yeah. Even if, I mean, even financially, it doesn't seem like it'd be they would be able to bring in that much money. I mean, we're talking about about television. Yeah, it's not right. What is what even is television? Speaking of Sony, yeah, um, you sent me a New York Post article, and we were going to talk about it on the last episode, and we totally forgot. Which that happens, but this this article written by Claire Atkinson talks a little bit about uh, you know with the new Sony Entertainment boss leaving. Their things are kind of up in the air. They're trying to get situated, trying to figure out what they're going to do, and it appears the higher up and so you're thinking like, well, maybe we should just sell off the film uh, IP that we have. It's it's unconfirmed by Sony, but people have been um, saying that basically, Kazurai Sony executives have been meeting with. Um, financial backers and prospective investors, uh, ba- basically, uh, kind of putting feelers out and seeing if anybody would be interested in buying their film business. Uh, what did they finish eighth, eighth this year or something? I uh, know fifth, fifth with uh, only an eight percent of the market share. There you go. That is horrible. Yeah, that's uh, a. <laughs> Not, it's not good. Um, Sony did some really dumb stuff in 2016. Yeah. We've spent a lot of time talking about it. It's uh, it hasn't been as like constant pervasive as Warner Brothers and this whole DC mess. Um, and it seems like Universal is maybe stepping up to the plate with this uh, monsters franchise. But I mean, just we we had a lot of things. A lot of things go bad last year. Uh, and to be in, in, in all, I guess in all fairness to Sony, and you've mentioned this before, the, their film arm of their company isn't necessarily their main focus. And you know, it's not. It, they could definitely live without it. It's well, it's it's nice because of the way it fits with their vertical integration. Yeah, um, they have their hands in every. I mean. You know they won, they won the format wars yeah. for this last HD generation. Yeah. So they make <laughs> they make the players that play the discs that they own that have the movies on them made by the studio that they own. Yeah. On the TV that they own. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it's they can clearly they do not need this wing of the business to stay solvent. Mm-hmm. 
uh, if anything, it's been a huge thorn in their side. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing is, looking at their um, in-production roster for 2017, who would want to buy Sony? Um, like, wholesale? Who would who would want that to make that investment? They, there's no... We, we've got the fucking Emoji movie that's coming what, out. And that's what this article says, is they're... They, but the, the, the sale is kind of waiting to see how good the... And I'm not joking. This is yeah. this is right from the article. They want to see how the Emoji Movie does before they make... Uh, before Because they think they may have a franchise and it might help to get them a better price. The only thing that makes sense for the waiting game, um, as far as I can tell, is the Spider-Man. Uh, yeah. And I don't really know the specifics of the... Uh, contract they have with uh, Marvel Disney mm-hmm. but they just they've got like Hotel Transylvania 3 with a new director actually the first two made money apparently yeah that was like uh, one of their biggest hits I think over the last two uh, years god it's so sad yeah but this one is they have a new director attached so hopes are not high for that the Emoji <laughs> movie um, hopes are not high hopes are not high uh, yeah. I just I mean what what the fuck what, what in yeah. the actual... What yeah. in the actual I, fuck? So, you know, at, on one hand, they don't deserve to be bought. Um, like... I mean, when you have they, 8% of the, yeah. of the market share, they, I mean, I don't know what, what you can... There's, there's no, I mean, they don't, they don't have anything of value. But on the other hand, every even a, a big commercial studio... Um, losing, losing any big production... Uh, Outfit is not going to be good for diversity in the mm-hmm. long run. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, but it's not like Sony does a lot of work financing small pictures or any pictures anyway. So right. I, I don't know. It's whatever you know. Just desserts on one hand, but on the other hand, probably won't be in our best interest to see them go. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I agree. Uh, let's so let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about Oscars. The Oscar nominations yeah. came out while we were away. Hashtag Oscars. Not as white as last year. Yeah, that is absolutely true. Uh, what were your overall... You you saw the nominations, I'm assuming. I did. I, I have them here just so I can... Yeah, me too. Um, what were your them. overall impressions of the nom- nominations? Were there any surprises to you that popped out immediately? I know I have a few. I, I, if you want to go ahead and go first, or... No, go ahead. So, there's two that really stuck out to me. Um... The first, and I haven't seen it talked about a lot, but the obvious one to me is Aaron Taylor Johnson for Best Supporting Actor. We kind of talked about how, you know, Michael Sheenan was really good in Nocturnal Animals, and he ends up getting the nod here. And, you know, Aaron Taylor Johnson won the Golden Globe. He's He was a, a surprise winner, actually. And he just gets left off completely. I thought that was shocking. And then no Amy Adams for Best Actress. Uh, yeah. That, to me, was quite shocking. And, you know, uh, I did see people kind of poking fun at that because basically Meryl Streep got nominated. Yeah, I mean, Meryl Streep, like, get accidentally walks through a set somewhere and, and, and yeah, gets nominated. Uh, uh, the, the other one that I thought was not... Undeserved, but I, it to me it was just a little weird having Dev Patel be nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Obviously, I haven't seen The Lion, but 
it's hard to believe that he isn't the lead actor in that movie. Yeah, I'm not familiar enough to, to say, but that, that is an interesting point. Um, I just, I don't know if I can get behind Ryan Gosling's nomination in, in La La Land. Um, or even, I mean, in some ways, Emma Stone's nomination for actress, best actress. I I would put Jake Gyllenhaal and um, Amy Adams above them just for Nocturnal Animals alone, um, not to mention Arrival. Mm-hmm. Uh, just... Uh, I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, Natalie Portman's a frontrunner, even though... Uh, even though Emma Stone won it, won the Golden Globe, uh, a lot of people think Natalie Portman is probably. But then again, La La Land got every, got nominated for everything. Yeah, you know, so it's it's kind of hard to not think. I mean, this is probably one of the closest races races in years for some of these awards. There's not a clear favorite. It's Best Picture. Uh, with Deadpool uh, didn't get nominated, so we dashed a bullet there. So I was I was right. Yes, you were you were very right as always. <laughs> Just kidding, I'm sorry. But I think that you know, Moonlight and La La Land are going to sweep the majority of these awards. Um, probably, all, I can imagine. I could see Barry Jenkins getting Best Director and La La Land winning Best Picture, or Shazil and Moonlight. I could see those two, you know, switching places, trying to give. Props to both those movies, um, but honestly, I just don't see. I mean, Moonlight should win all the awards. Much like, I mean, we talked about this last year. Much like Spotlight, I think it is technically superior to everything else we saw, and it is emotionally resonates. As much as you may love La La Land, I don't see how you cannot point to Moonlight and saying is deserving of the Oscar. But, um, yeah. There was nothing... There was no other real surprises for me. I... I think that... Like... Suicide Squad got a nomination, I believe, in in the technical department, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, We did... So, the the technical Oscars are usually on a different page. I don't have them... Oh, yeah. But I, I think that that was kind of surprising because that movie seemed like a mess on every level. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, technical levels were not excluded from that as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I, I'm actually kind of looking forward to this Oscars. Yeah, I just, like, I, it's not that I didn't see it coming, but I feel like Hollywood's and the, the Academy's infatuation with La La Land is maybe a little over the top. Like, it was it was novel, and I really enjoyed it. Anna deserves a lot of these nods, but I don't think it, I feel like it needs to show up in every category. I mean, here's the thing. L.A. Hollywood loves themselves a lot. That's true. And any, you know, any movie that shines a light on how awesome they are, they, they jump to, I mean... Look at the artists. In any movie that, that's like this, they just, it's, uh, honestly, like, everybody talks about, oh, oh, you know, Manchester City was Oscar bait. It's like, La La Land is Oscar bait. Yeah. Like, I mean, it that's the type of movie that the Oscars fawn over. So, it's, 
I mean, it's it's almost a parody within itself at, at some point when you keep voting for the same type of movie. But, I don't know. I, I really am rooting for Moonlight. I, I like La, La Land. I love Damien Chazelle. I think he's talented as all get out. But I am looking forward to rooting for Moonlight come. Yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you there. Um, I really hope Moonlight takes Best Picture. The other thing is I would really like uh, Kubo to take Best Animated Feature Film. Uh, I think it totally deserves that. You know, I might surprise you, but I agree with you because as much as I love Zootopia, I think Laika and Kubo and Two Strings deserve to get some recognition for the work they're doing. And that studio is so small, it's not like, you know, they produce one movie every three or four years. I want to see them succeed because they put out good stuff. I mean, Zootopia was a great film, but I I feel like... uh, you know, if we're going to be pretentious and talk about the the pretentious movie awards here, I think <laughs> Kubo was just uh, something on another level as far as art is concerned. I um, it was, I mean, it was beautiful and it was moving. Um, I was just, I thought it was an incredible film. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, aside from the weird Amy Adams snub um, and. La La Land dripping off of the Academy's face. Uh, that's that's really all I have. Yeah, I think... Uh, I really do think this is going to be a fun Oscar. I think for, you know... The thing that sucks is, like, after last year, everybody talked about, oh, Oscar, Oscar's so white, and this year there's so many, you know, black... Or nominees of color. Let's let's not say so many. There are well, there's more. They have they have some representation yeah. this year, and it doesn't feel like necessarily just a token representation. That's, that that either. was my point. Yeah, yeah. That, that that was my so. point. It's like these movies are definitely deserve to be yes. where they are and recognized, yes. and that to me is the bigger win. Is it's not we're not just throwing in, um, you know, a token nominee. Like Moonlight has a legitimate chance of winning lots of awards. Yeah. Um, and so does, I mean, so does um, Fences. You know, Viola Davis is by far the, she's probably going to win Best Actress, or Best Supporting Actress, and she deserves it. So, that that's, to me, is a win. So, did you, did you ever see Dallas Buyers Club? I haven't. I just, I can't imagine a world where Matthew McConaughey turned in a better performance than Edgy for in 12 Years a right. Slave. yeah. And if that world exists, I don't know if I want to live in it. You know, I don't want to go back in time, but Idris Elba last year not getting nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Beasts of, of, no, of No Nation. Then, but then that—that's a political snub. That might have as much to do with sure. Netflix and the. That's true. You're, you're you're right. Anyway, yeah, we can move on. Let's uh, let's move to emails. By the way, if you want to email us any your Oscar predictions, uh, midnightfilmreview at gmail dot com. We read all your emails on the air live. On our podcast. Live recorded on Live recorded on our podcast. Uh, so please, give us your thoughts about the, the Oscars. Uh, give us your thoughts about the upcoming review of Split. We'll read it live. If, if you want to send us money, we'll, uh, we'll <laughs> bet it on our Oscar predictions. There we and, go. Uh, use it to upgrade our, our, our podcast. <laughs> we, won't, we won't send winnings back to you. But no, no. We'll use it to upgrade our, our podcast nest here. Yes, there you go. Maybe get the, the possum... Uh, a perch, so, so a, Brian doesn't have to. Stroker, yeah, lo- lovingly Stroker to to keep her uh, keep her rage at bay. <laughs> uh, 
Wait, you want me to? Yeah, jump? yeah. So, so we heard from our regular contributor Anel Robbins. Um, by the way, uh, Anel's birthday is uh, is this upcoming weekend. Oh wow! So, happy birthday, Anel! Happy birthday! He says, "Hey guys, took your advice on La La Land. Decided to watch it with my girlfriend last night." We both thought it was a really fun experience, even though neither one of us has ever really gotten into musicals or jazz. Everything about the movie was great, but there is one event that happened that made really made no sense to me. What sane woman would ever leave Ryan Gosling? A man that stood by your side through tough times, changed his career for you, and can serenade anyone with a touch <laughs> of piano key? Totally made the movie unrelatable. Uh, from your boy and out. That is a uh, good... Now, there's an interesting question. I don't know if that's exactly where he was going with it, but was Ryan Gosling miscast? Should we have cast someone a little less handsome in that role? I mean, he's, I don't know, he's kind of a weird guy. We, we had this Ryan Gosling mm-hmm. is a, a, a weird hottie discussion already. But, but in the film, or if we're going to take this question seriously, um, he, he's flawed. He, I mean... Misses her performance. That's true. That he pushes her not, to do, and that's pretty shitty. Like he doesn't, you. I mean, and you expect him because it's a, a romantic film on some level. It's a realistic film too, but yeah, you expect him to bail on this ridiculous, pretentious photo shoot to go be with her. It's I, don't, I don't. And I feel like, I feel like that would not be enough to get you kicked out of the band. You know? Yeah. Like, hey yeah. guys, my my. Significant Other has been writing this one-woman show for the last six months, and tonight is her performance, so yeah. I kind of have to go see this. I'm sorry. Can we reschedule? I feel like that would, they would probably, they might even be mad, but they'd probably understand. Yeah. Um, I, we never really talked about that writing choice in the context of the film. But whatever, he's a dick, he doesn't try and do it. Uh, Here, here's the other thing, and you, you kind of maybe subconsciously alluded to this. Like, w- women aren't as, as superficial as us. You know, guys look at Ryan Gosling and they're like, he's hot, why would you ever leave him? You know? But that's not how girls think. Well, and also that, I mean, to be fair, that that novelty wears off for everybody. That's you know? true. You date yeah. somebody long enough and uh, those things that drive you crazy about the other person may overwhelm their... Um, ravishing sexuality, uh, you know? You, I, I think... Yeah. There's, I mean, there's that, you know, famous quote about you were so hot until you opened your mouth and ruined it for me. And I don't think that has to be a, a gender-specific gender no, idea. No, I think, I think you're right. <laughs> so the, the interesting thing is, originally cast in this movie was Miles Teller and Emma Watson... And both had to drop out for, um, I'm sure Miles God, Teller. I would love to see that version. Yeah. Uh, um, Emma Watson dropped out because of Beauty and the Beast. Um, obviously a much bigger paycheck. Uh, and Miles Teller dropped out I because, bet they're kicking themselves now. <laughs> right? Miles Teller dropped out because of, this is an embarrassing poor guy. Fantastic Fantastic Four. four. <laughs> yeah. That, he's probably regretting that one. But, yeah, we got Ryan Gosling, Emma Stone, worked out. Um, thanks for the email, Now We appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate and your input. please, I, I know you already plugged it, but uh, everybody write us an email. We're lonely, we're sad, we miss you. 
Are we still in that contest? We are. We are still in that contest. February 4th is when voting ends. Yeah, guys. So I don't think we have... There's no metrics. We can't really see how we're doing. Don't know. But... They did tweet out. So the people running it tweeted out that there are 20 podcasts that are within striking distance of that of, of one another for the number one spot. They didn't say who they were. They didn't say who. I really feel like we're probably not in those 20 podcasts, but... Never let hope die, no. Brian. So please, if, if you haven't voted for us and you like us and you like listening to us, we would love some free exposure. You know, we we, we don't have money to <laughs> to like propagate and advertise ourselves. So you know, if if you want to click a button and fill in your email address, we would really appreciate that. There's not much. Time. This is the last time we'll be able to plug it on the show. Yes. So so this is our last. Our last push. Um, I, I, I do want to give a shout out to the to those guys at, at Monkeys Fighting Robots because for almost daily they, they tweet out uh, the people that have entered. You know, so all their followers see that we have entered. They give a link to our podcast and the link to, to vote. So I appreciate that. That's that's good job, guys. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Um, that's going to do it for open discussion. Uh, we'll be right back with some media hot takes. Media hot takes. And we're back, Colin, with Midnight Film Review, doing our media hot take. Media hot takes. So we, we both have hot takes. Sponsored by the possum. Sorry, didn't mean to no, catch up there. No, it's okay. We, ha- we both have hot takes this week. Um, how awesome is that? It doesn't happen that often. So, so awesome. It's so awesome. So you, ha- you have a media hot take. Lead, take it away. Yeah, so uh, a little documentary, uh, and it's not a new documentary, but showed up on my Netflix feed. I don't know if it was just added to Netflix, um, because other people I know kind of saw it show up at the same time. Uh, but according to IMDb, it, it was released in 2015. Um, the documentary is called Eddie Strongman, or Eddie-Strongman. Um, and it's about a British... Um, strongman named Eddie Hall. Uh, and it, it's, it is a, like a largely crowdfunded documentary. Um, there's no big agenda and it just sort of follows the life and the comp like six months or maybe a year of competitions for Eddie Hall, uh, who is, when the documentary starts, trying to break into the um, the world strongman scene, like trying to make claim his spot in the top ten, <coughs> um, and it's it, it's an interesting look at what it uh, kind of takes to be competitive at this level, um, and it's it's more interesting because. Even though Eddie is not not the best in the world, um, and the best in the world is Big Z Zedrickus, I think his name is, uh, but he's he's like held the the throne for like eight years or something. He just gets he's like forty and like keeps getting stronger. Um, so that's what he's he's up against like the strongest person that has ever lived, the greatest <laughs> strength competitor that's yeah. ever lived. 
and just the the mental fortitude and the um, uh, what, what's the word I'm, I'm looking for. Uh, he he always just has to you know tell himself he is capable and he's the best and he's going to win. Um, and there's some really compelling moments in the documentary. Um, one where he kind of reflects on the sacrifices it's taken to uh, get to this point with his family and his regrets. Um, and then, you know, he's the underdog. And even though he breaks into the scene, you can tell he is not, he is not going to be anything but maybe the third best in the world anytime oh, soon. Wow. Um, and you, you kind of see, you know, his, his aspirations and his frustrations. Uh, and there's a little bit of redemption in the end of the film. Um, but it's, it's, uh, it is not, it's not a focused documentary. It's not like a traditional sports documentary and it's not totally a, um, a biographical documentary. It's a little bit about the sport of strongman, a little bit more about Eddie. Um, but it's, it's short. It's like an hour and a half long and it's an interesting watch if, especially if you are into strength sports or, uh, you know, if you can appreciate what it would be like to try and deadlift 1,100 pounds, then you might uh, you might see something uh, of interest or compelling in this documentary. Um, I just kind of kept it on sporadically while I was uh, doing stuff around the house. And, uh, you know, it's not the greatest documentary ever, but I, th- I think it was worth a watch. So that's Eddie Strongman on Netflix. The There's not a lot of reviews for it. I was kind of looking up reviews and stuff, but... The reviews that it does have are really positive. Yeah, like people. There, there was a moment where I, like, he kind of is really on because a lot of you know he's a strength competitor, so he has to put on this facade and be cocky. And there's a moment yeah. where he, um, he finally gets a big break and he's reflecting and he lets his guard down and I, I cried. Really, like it is, uh, just an incredibly vulnerable moment where he's talking about the, yeah. the choices he's had to make in his life. Uh, so yeah, it, just an interesting documentary. Uh, it kind of, just from the way you described it, I don't, this might be a bad comparison because I haven't seen the documentary, but it's kind of a little bit like, um, have you ever seen The Smashing Machine? This... Yeah, that, I, I don't think that's a good uh, comparison because um, Kerr, or Kerr, yeah. That I mean, that's more about his uh, his potential and his downfall. And this yeah. this is you know a success story. You know, it, he's not Eddie Eddie Hall is not delusional. Yeah. He's just it. It would be like, well, what's it's it's like being Ryan Lochte okay. when yeah, Michael yeah. Phelps is, is right, around. Right. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. any other time in history, Mike Ryan Lochte would have been the greatest swimmer who ever lived. Yeah, but. He just happened to be the same age as Michael Phelps. Right. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's it's like one of the it's yeah. so it's it's an interesting story. So you're saying any strongman wouldn't be a good double feature with the Smashing Machine? I mean, maybe if you want, because Eddie Eddie's the underdog, but he also uh, has some success. Right. right, and the Smashing Machine is a tale of potential uh, Wasted, ruined yeah. and a life <laughs> ruined. So, good yeah. point. Uh, I mean, I might check that out. I, I I dig documentaries that are more on a personal level. Like we've talked about this before. Some of the more dramatic, thematic documentaries that kind of just I don't like, but ones that 
are more personal yeah, and tell a real true story, it, it's those are the ones. Also, there's a good amount of footage of the mountain. If you're a Game of Thrones yeah, fan, you, you get go. to see him uh, as a strongman competitor, which is what he what he does uh, before he yeah. got an acting role. So, speaking of Game of Thrones, yes. um, I watched a TV show that had a person from Game of Thrones in it. Um, so we had joked, and maybe maybe actually really thought about reviewing this movie. Uh, Morgan on here on the podcast. We we didn't catch it because there was something else that we prioritized, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think Ad, maybe Adam saw it and did a so. he did yeah, a write in review for right. us and talked us out of it. So you're right. And now that I think about it, his review is spot on. Yeah. To of Morgan. So this movie is like bubbling with talent. So I mentioned Game of Thrones. So. Uh, Rose Leslie, who plays Ingrid, is part of the cast. This cast also has um, Kate Mara, Anya Taylor Joy, who we'll talk. I'll, I'll, we'll talk more about her performance, uh, her, her abilities because she's in Split. Toby Jones, Boyd Holbrook, who uh, has shot the stardom because of Narcos. He stars in Narcos, and he's going to be the villain in the upcoming Logan, Old Man Logan movie. Michelle Michelle Yao is in this. Brian Cox, Jennifer Jason Lee, Paul Giamatti. That is a ridiculous cast, and it is completely wasted. So, the the, the central idea behind Morgan is very similar to the central conceit of Ex Machina. Morgan isn't a robot; she's a genetically modified human uh, who grows rapidly. Apparently, in the in the movie, she's only. They said she's only like five or six years old, but she's, you know, well past um, puberty. Her mental capacity is far superior to humans. And there is a very interesting ethical tale, morality tale, there were were morality tale in in this film. And there are some great actors. Kate Mara and Anya Taylor Joy give great performances. They are so good in this movie. But it is such a pointless exercise. The, the movie has all these characters. They have no relationship really to one another. Um, or, or let me say this. The relationships are assumed. There's just convenient plot devices in this movie. I, I don't want to give anything away in case somebody does want to see it. Because I, I think it's a good plain movie. Like if, if you're stuck on a plane in a metal tube in the sky and you want to watch a movie, I would say you could do worse than Morgan. It's, you know, it got it got scathing reviews. I, I, I would give it probably a, a C, maybe a C minus. It's not, it's not horrible. It's not the worst, like I said, it's not the worst thing you can see. The director, Luke Scott, is really Scott's son. That says anything, <laughs> I don't, and it's just, it's, Oh, nepotism. It's just not, a well, ex- it's not a well executed movie. It's not. It's not ill conceived. I think that, like I said, I think there's merit to the story. I think there is a good script somewhere in there, but I feel like Luke Scott was just too focused on how do I get to the action, and then the the moments of drama are so melodramatic and so over the top that it's you're. You're supposed to feel like Morgan, played by Anya Taylor-Moore, her character has a connection to these people that she's surrounded by, that they 
mean something to each other because they've been together for five years. And it just, you, you don't feel that relationship. You don't get to spend very much time with Morgan uh, before all hell breaks loose. Like, it's, you get a very minimal time. Um, and Jennifer Jason Lee, I don't even know why she's in this movie. Like, I, I, it's seriously, she's in two scenes and both of them, she gets physically abused. It's, I don't, I, I mean, I don't know. This, this movie is beyond (laughs) confusing. And that, that maybe that's the reason not to see it is because you'll be like, this movie could have been so much better. This idea is so interesting. Why did they allow Luke Scott to direct this movie but yeah i think that i I really do think that adam probably nailed it in his his review um it's not great but it's not it's not awful contrived yeah very so that's morgan i think it's going to do it for media hot takes this week uh i would say watch eddie strongman over morgan (laughs) sounds like (laughs) The, the battle's decided there we go uh we'll be right back with a review of split yes and we're back, Colin, for our featured review of the beautiful tale of three women vying for the attention of, of a male. Spoiler, they were dead the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I know that was You were dumb. waiting for that one, I, dude. I couldn't I just couldn't resist. You were totally waiting for that one. I was. I was a little bit, yeah. Uh, so, this movie, as he mentioned, is directed by M. Night Shyamalan. It stars James McAvoy, Anya Taylor-Joy, Haley Lou Richardson, Jessica Sula, and Betty Buckley. That's the main cast, right? I mean, I don't think we need to... Well, I mean, so this is, um, this is what a good Blumkenhouse film should look like. A, a tight production that doesn't feel like it's made that way because the studio doesn't want to invest any money but because that is all the scope of the film requires to be effective and that was definitely the case here Um, so I don't know how much we can really talk about in non-spoilers I I mean we can I think we can talk about the film generally I mean yes it's I I just think that uh it's going to be real. There's going to be a short non-spoiler section. So the movie is, if you haven't seen it, it's three girls are kidnapped by a man who has a 23 distinct personalities, um, and they're trying to escape before something happens. But basically, they're trying to survive. Uh, I, I'll just start off, and then I'll let you follow. So. I am a huge M. Night Shyamalan fan. Oh my god, I love M. Night Shyamalan. Nothing hurt worse than to watch his precipitous fall from grace. I loved... The Sixth Sense is a movie that I... It's one of the reasons I fell in love with movies. The magic of that twist and the feeling when you see it. Uh, Unbreakable is... A lot of people people believe that that's his best film. That's a lot of people's favorite film of his. I... I'm right there with you. Unbreakable is another life-changing movie for me. Um, I really enjoyed Signs. I think the performances in Signs are outstanding. I think that the direction in that movie is one of his best-directed films, even though the script's probably one of his weakest. 
the village. I made excuse. I, I like the village. I made much. I made it. I made a lot of excuses for that movie, um, and I think the people who, who like it have to admit that they made some excuses for that movie. But that that was the beginning of the yes the the descent the descent into madness, if you will. Uh, Lady in the Water. I again. I made so many excuses. It's a. It's come on, guys. It's a fairy tale. Look, you're looking at it through the wrong lens. But to be honest, that movie was a ill-conceived. I mean, he he made this dark dark fantasy film that was just it appealed to no one i mean you you make a fairy tale that doesn't appeal to dolls or kids who's going to see it so and then of course we had last airbender the the happening the happening it happened next the happening is i don't i i don't understand i don't understand what he was doing i don't understand his direction yeah the like Awful, awful script aside and awful casting aside, it's not a it's not a well shot, directed, or edited film. No, it's not. I don't I don't I don't know what happened. It was yeah. like, it was almost like he had given up. I don't know I don't why I put his name. Well but but see that was I mean like the village and lady in the water um, were questionable, I guess, but still competent. Yeah, there's still something more there, but the, the happening is just a, just a bad film. Yeah, it's one of the worst films I've ever seen, honestly. And then I never saw The Last Airbender, and After Earth is... I think I watched about 10 minutes of After Earth <laughs> yeah. and turned it off. Um, one of the worst films of 2013, from my understanding. Uh, another nail in the coffin that is will smith's yeah and and career. I, I guess a lot of you know people have talked about that movie where m night Shyamalan kind of went to director's jail as they called it and he I, from everything that you hear is he didn't have any control on that set at all like he might as well have not even been director of that movie that will smith was pulling the strings the whole time um but then the visit i really enjoyed the visit it definitely wasn't great but it felt like more it was closer to the village than the happening, put it that way, and then now split, which um, the Shyamalan essence is, I think, uh, in full effect. I really enjoyed this film. It's not perfect. It's not. It's not on the level of Sixth Sense or Unbreakable, or even Signs, but it's closer to those films. He's definitely moving in the right direction. James McAvoy's performance is outstanding, and Anya Taylor Joy is. She is going to be a great actress. She's very, very good. We, you know, there's something about her presence on screen that is just it, it's it's beautiful, but at the same time, it's a little off-putting. And I just I think she's going to be a great actress. Uh, she was terrific in The Witch, and in Morgan, she was she was a good she she did a good job with what she had to work with in Morgan. And this movie, I think she's she's awesome. Um, yeah, she she did not get the because in the witch she's she's the lead uh, yeah, unquestionably, right, right. Uh, and this she might be the protagonist you could say, but whether or not James McAvoy steals the show, uh, she has some very uh, powerful scenes, mm-hmm. um, and I I agree I think she is uh, 
she is a very talented young woman, and she is going to hopefully um, have a, a stellar career, uh, you know, moving forward. Uh, but she she does have she has a lot of gravitas. She has a lot of presence when she needs to, mm-hmm. uh, because there are there are scenes where it's just her and McAvoy, and she needs to basically take center stage over him and over his character and she's uh, able to do that. Yeah. So, uh, what another thing I will say about this film is I have a weird relationship with McAvoy <laughs> and that I've always felt like he's probably a good actor and I've never seen a film that I liked with him in it that I enjoyed his performance in. Yeah. Until now. Like I've I've been waiting to watch a movie and really just be able to enjoy what he brings to it, mm-hmm. um, and he was uh, just incredibly fun to watch uh, on this film. Um, there are there are not a lot of actors who could have pulled this role off. Um, I, I would say there are probably a handful of leading men who could do a performance like this because you, you have to, it, it just, if you can't sell it, then the movie does not work. Yeah. And there are, there are parts of this role where he has to just go like, go all out, uh, give everything to them. Um, the, the direction, uh, I thought was, Wonderful. I really enjoyed um, just some of the interesting shots, but mm-hmm. how how focused and how tight and constrained uh, everything felt on on in the the setting of this film. Uh, and it was it was a fairly compelling film. I I did not necessarily have high expectations, despite the the cast. Um, just. I don't know. Just because I, I was never, I never loved M Night Shyamalan as much as you did. I don't think I, I think by the time I had seen his body of work, he was already kind of, you know, obviously the Sixth Sense and Signs were classics, but then I, I don't know. I, I just never invested in him. I think the way you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the first two thirds of this film, I was very, very pleasantly surprised with the, uh, the way the film builds tension and yes. intrigue. And they're really there. This, it doesn't, this film does not need to trick you. No. Right. Um, there are some really compelling questions and things that are going on with the characters. And it, in the, the universe that this film inhabits, it's that's, that's plenty. Um, the, the conclusion of the film, the final act, was not as satisfying for me, uh, just because it's. I, I feel like compared to how interesting and the the potential for the complexity of the rest of the film, the ending kind of, um, or maybe the, it's not the ending, maybe the climax of the film. Um, I didn't enjoy as much as the rest of the film, but, uh, you know, I, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I would say, I really hope, uh, he makes more, 
more films like this. Yeah. Uh, this, I mean, this is what this is what filmmaking should be like. Um, you have a good script. You cast a film well. Uh, you keep the production um, totally consistent, and it feels like it feels like a complete idea. It feels like a finished product. And even even if I didn't enjoy the ending as much as I enjoyed the rest of the film, uh, it all fits together well. And you know, I the other thing is like making a movie about dissociative identity disorder, uh, which shouldn't be a spoiler because it's in all the trailers. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Is is not something that I feel like most writers would want to tackle. Yeah, uh, and. I mean, unless you're doing Identity 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> right, yeah, there uh, you go. There's there are not a lot of ways to do this. So I was I was really, I was impressed with the writing. Um, and again, I, I'm not saying this is like a great film, but it yeah. is a, it's definitely a good film. Uh, I would give it a, a solid B, uh, and I enjoyed it for what it's worth. So um, I definitely agree with that letter grade, I, and, and I think I liked it more than you. In fact, I would border on saying I love this film partially because of the very end of the movie. I literally had chills, and Amanda, my wife, kind of made fun of me because I had a smile ear to ear, and uh, I I was like, he's back. I said it to her. She had no idea why, or she, she definitely didn't get the ending, um, and I think that there is a risk for people to be confused. I didn't mention that on purpose. Uh, I don't know if I... Yeah. Anyway, keep talking. Okay. Um, but I'm with you. I, the, my, the, there's two big knocks that I have on this film, and that's one is I think it's kind of long. I think the pacing kind of drags in the middle a little. And I think that M. Night Shyamalan can't resist putting himself in a movie. <sighs> yeah, and... Again, is this spoilers? Um Like the the okay the scene he's in adds absolutely nothing to the film. It, it's so shoehorned. Uh, yeah, it's really corny, actually. Like his dialogue. It's. And it's I, I was like, what? What is the the scene? Is, like, the scene is so contrived. It really is. I mean, uh, and like whatever, I said, it, it's it, fine. It, it those are the those are my main. I think the pacing kind of slows, and when I compare this to a movie like 10 Cloverfield Lane, uh, that movie is constant tension and constantly moving forward. Um, where I think this movie kind of stalls in the middle towards the middle end half of the, of the movie. Um, but overall I love this movie. I think like you were, you mentioned his direction. I think it's, you were spot on. It's a, for the most part, a tight script and the performances are terrific I love his... I, there's something about his style and his aesthetic. You know if it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie, not because there's a twist, but because there is uh, a cinematic... Th- there's just something different about the way he shoots a movie that makes it his. Similar to Tarantino or Spielberg. I'm not putting him in necessarily in that category. It's just you know a film that's his. There's He, he, he definitely has a monopoly on the through the keyhole yes. under the door shot. Yes. Like yeah. that's that's his jam. Yep. You're right. You're you're, you're absolutely right. That's the, uh, but I also love the way he conveys space and he you know 
just enough about the location that you're in. And he did this with very, he, this was great, a, a great part of visit. Going back to Sixth Sense, knowing, knowing the space, the space that you are in at that time. And, you know, a movie, I, I think of a movie like Don't Breathe. If that movie was directed by M. Night Shyamalan, we probably would have enjoyed it more. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. If the movie was, re- yeah. But, yeah. you know, so, uh, as I think that Blumkenhouse is a... <laughs> Blumkenhouse. You got me saying Blumkenhouse. <laughs> um, Blumhouse is a is a perfect pairing for him because he loves having the autonomy. Of, and they give they give their their create the, the creative license to their director and say, hey, this is your budget. You can't go over that budget. So you can do whatever you want with this $5 million. Um and I think that's how much this movie cost was five million dollars. And um, what he did with that five million dollars is uh, is pretty spectacular. So, sorry, ten million dollars. Yeah. Um, which the movie's already grossed forty nine million dollars, close to fifty million. So it's a resounding success. Probably going to end up reaching over a hundred million worldwide. Um, so turning ten million into a hundred million. Good job. Um, sorry. So there are some there are some things there there's something uh, maybe we should save it for spoilers there there is sort of maybe not there's an element of uh, sexualization yeah. that I was not totally comfortable with Might in this film and it kind of ties back into a theme a, a recurring theme um, or a, a mirrored theme for the character one of the characters. Uh, but I, I still wasn't totally comfortable with it and don't feel like they totally uh, justified it. Um, so that was that was maybe was maybe one of my my other complaint with with the film. Uh, and I think I, I know the actresses aren't actually teenagers. Um, I know Anya Taylor Joy is like in 20. 20 or twenty yeah twenty or twenty one or something like that. Um, but it's still. It doesn't make it any less uncomfortable, and there are a couple sh- of shots um, that are a little gratuitous, uh, which I, I'm not really sure were necessary. Uh, that certainly doesn't reflect the the extended metaphor. That's I don't know. So anyway, that was a little weird. I didn't really. You you kind of forget about it uh, as the film moves into the the final act, but. It's it's a pretty significant part of the the film early on, and then they don't really make it uh, make an investment in it being an important part of the the, the, the storytelling. I think. Yeah, so. I, I agree. The finale, I, there was I don't know, there was something just a little off about the finale and how it ties into what you're talking about. Yeah, I, I, we can talk more about it in spoilers yeah. and. I agree with you. That was, I wanted it to mean so much more because yeah. you're using it and it just didn't, it just kind of missed the mark. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say before we move into spoilers? No. No, let's, let's, uh, yeah, I would definitely recommend. Mel Gibson was an alien the whole time. <laughs> I would definitely recommend split. I, I think in the month of January, there's, it's a barren wasteland, and this yeah. This, this Sadly, there's not much around, so uh, this this was an interesting film. I think this is a fresh glass of water that you can drink, and you don't have to worry about throwing on aliens. Mm-hmm. So swing away and go see Split. What, honey? Wow! Are you kidding me? Really? You just ruin it every time. I'll see you 
Robert House. Well, wait a second. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? So we're back with spoilers for Split, which if you don't want to hear these, then you shouldn't keep listening. How's that? Does that work? Yeah. And I really, I really want to be clear because I did, I worked really hard not to spoil myself. So I really want somebody. I don't. Please do not listen to this if you have not seen the movie. I mean, it's an, like it's an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Like, you know, if you if you listen to the spoiler section on a podcast, you're probably going to be annoyed with your... Well, I don't know. If you're not going to be annoyed with yourself for spoiling an M. Night Shyamalan film, it might be this one. <laughs> because... So do you want to talk about the, the ending ending? Yeah, I think we the, should. I think that's... I, I don't know. To me, that uh, kind of informs the entire movie really and see i think that really that really sucks um i i feel like it changes the context for the film totally it does you're right and it's it's not fair like you can't the the viewing viewing experience for the audience is totally changed if they have a frame of reference for for what that means and it's it makes it, it sort of undercuts the implications of like the the whole mind over matter um, element of the beast's is that the beast's transformation. Uh, it, it adds it places it in a universe where that's more plausible, right? Does does that make sense? I understand what you're saying. At, at first, I was like, I didn't, I wasn't sure I was going to, uh, but. I agree. I understand what you're saying. To me, it just I, it felt like fan service. That's what it felt like. Uh, see, I disagree on the uh, only for this one reason. Well, for two reasons. One, and I guess this is outside the viewing experience, but he had said in interviews like this: this character was actually written into Unbreakable, and he he took it out because he he felt that it. He, he basically was like, I like this character too much. I he, He's been working on this since Unbreakable, this film. And he's been trying to get it made. And just nobody would give him the opportunity. And so some of these scenes in, in this movie were taken directly out of Unbreakable. Um, and I guess those who don't know, I mean, I guess if you're, you know. So at this point, I hope that you know that this is a semi-sequel to Unbreakable. I just freaking loved it. I thought it was brilliant. I love the idea of this being a comic book villain's origin story. And it's a totally unique way to tell the, the origin story of, of, of a comic book villain. Similar to Unbreakable. I loved Unbreakable. I love the idea that in that movie you're like, oh shit, I'm watching a comic book movie. I didn't realize it. And I felt the same thing. I, I, I mean, I literally was smiling from ear to ear. And I, I'm smiling just thinking about it now. That moment, to me, um, brought the film to another level. Let me put it that way. You obviously did not feel that way. I, I feel like it, it subverted my expectations and not in a, not in a good way. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense. And uh, so, by the way, uh, they're in talks for filming Unbreakable 2 now. Um, so this was the sister film planned all along. And Shyamalan used it as a stepping stone to get the production underway for Unbreakable Two, which he's announced it's going to happen. Cool. We're doing it. This is the this is the villain. You just watched the wow. I, so I just feel I feel like I was 
I don't know, manipulated kind of. Oh, um, for sure. That he definitely. I, I agree. That he definitely manipulated. I, and I don't. I don't feel like it was clever or cute. Uh, I I don't know. It it just sort of. You don't. You really don't think this that this was clever. I think it was extremely clever. It may, I mean, it makes it makes sense. I mean, I'm not disputing that, and just uh. I don't know. I, it, it, it's like I, I thought. I thought I we finally just uh, witnessed sort of a straightforward film from mm-hmm. him. Sure. And then he's like, "Look how fucking clever I am! I still tricked you. <laughs> it was really a sister film. Watch unbreakable sister film. Am I so long? Ugh. I'm like, you just you couldn't have just made like a film. Like you have to pull the rug out from under us now, and this changes." Like this changes the context for everything I just watched, and I don't. I I just was like I was annoyed. I was wow. kind of annoyed. Uh, I I had the total exact opposite yeah. emotional response. I, I was, and I guess the part a part of me is like I love Unbreakable so much. Like, I, I know you're a fanboy. He I, serviced you. He definitely did, and it's funny because I, I mentioned I look around and my wife's like I don't what's what does that mean like what what's going on, and. That's part of the other thing is like it's a weird twist because nobody saw Unbreakable in the theaters. I, mean, I shouldn't say nobody. It definitely wasn't close to being as big of a hit as Signs or Sixth Sense. Uh, it was it, it th- that movie was M Night Shyamalan's Insomnia, you know, sandwiched in between Batman Begins and Memento. Like, not very many people saw Unbreakable or even know what it is. Um, even though it had Bruce Willis at his apex and Samuel Jackson, but man, I don't know. I just the thought of it. I I loved it, and I guess my other thing, the other thing that I would say about this is, I'm gonna I'm gonna borrow an, an analogy from Jeff Kanata from um, the Slash Film Cast. He described it as a magic trick, and I, I really think that's kind of true. It's like. We were manipulated. There's, it's unquestionable that, that 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 he definitely manipulated his audience in a way that is not common. And that is the other thing is in this day and age, for us to not get spoiled by this and for this not to leak. I mean, this movie showed at Fantastic Fest six months ago, and somehow it was kept under wraps. I it's very rarely you come out of a film, even after watching trailers. And saying, even if you haven't watched trailers, I should say, and having this feeling of, I didn't see that coming, that totally shocked me, and I just, I really appreciate that that feeling, and it's not very often that that happens. I mean, yes and no because it it just it's not necessarily an accepted rule of, of filmmaking that there's this chance that you're watching this film no. and it's in the same universe. Like that's, I feel Unless like that's you're watching not a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get it. I, you know, it, there are, it, there are other clever, more clever ways to pull, pull an I got you on the audience as we found out. And, you know, I mean, the sixth sense is the most famous. I mean, it's what he's known for. And I just, Sure. I feel like this. It was just. It was. It was unne- unnecessary. Well, you know, well. Just, uh, I don't know. It, it's fine. Uh, 
It's hard, but here's the thing is it's hard to separate that from the movie because if this was, I mean, without Unbreakable, this movie would never exist because it was made to be a sister movie, like you said, to Unbreakable. So I don't know. You know what I mean? Does that make sense what I'm saying? It's hard to imagine that because it's such a straightforward movie until the very last scene, uh, which actually happens after the... Uh, what is the, I guess the title where it's a split and then it's a, not a post credit scene, but it's after the, the technically end of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I, I wanted to mention real quick, uh, and then we can move on is I think that M. Night Shyamalan does at some point have to make a film that doesn't have any kind of twist in it. I think even the visit, his last movie, there was a twist, which was really obvious and not really a twist as as much as it was. A uh, you just kind of knew something weird was going on. But I I I think we need to see him do something a little bit. Maybe Unbreakable is that movie. Unbreakable Two is that movie. But I feel like we have to see him. Make I mean, I, movie. I thought that was this movie until the last fifteen <laughs> seconds. You know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, that's what you're asking for. The the. Sh- the Shyamalanverse. We were really in the Shyamalanverse the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I really, I, it sucks. I, I'm sorry you didn't have that experience because it, it's, it's a, it's a it, euphoric experience. It's like, it's like when Muldoon gets eaten by the raptors in Jurassic Park, you know, and he, he says, he realizes he's, realizes he's been had and he says, clever girl. And the raptors eat him. That's yeah. what I felt like. <laughs> Muldoon being eaten by a raptor. Oh man, come on! It wasn't. <laughs> gosh, you really hated that. Uh, I, I, so let's let's talk a little bit about the sexualization part because I think that's important. We, we touched on it in non spoilers. Yeah. Um. It, it's frustrating because she. We don't have the satisfaction of her overcoming this villain and we don't have her satisfaction of her I, I guess using her abuse to to win it, it's such a I don't know how to how to frame frame this well there's so there's there's not really there's not really context for it within uh, is, is Brian what's the Kevin Kevin Kevin's character mm-hmm um, you know, so Dennis is like a pedophile, I guess, but the, the beast, he's obsessed with the idea of like purity. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, unchallenged. There's, yeah, I mean, for lack of a better word, he wants to consume Th- those that haven't been put through trials. Yeah, uh, the the unbroken. The uh, but and see that's not really does not really tie into the theme. Um, and the the power the powerlessness and the degradation and the abuse that that is a consistent theme with Anna Anya Taylor Joy's character. But as far as the the sexualization of the three girls, it just it doesn't really feel like it serves much of a purpose. There's, uh, 
you know, it, I, I thought there was an opportunity for maybe an internal fight between, um, Patricia and Dennis, mm-hmm. uh, they could have used it to set up conflict there for some reason, but it just sort of, yeah, there, there really wasn't, yeah, you're right. They, they sort of slowly strip it away and it, but then it doesn't really feel like a, a visual metaphor for the, the, the girls losing their humanity or will to fight or anything like that. It just, it, it never gets tied back into anything and it's uncomfortable and it feels gratuitous. I mean, and out of place. Yeah. And it's like, the, I, I, obviously the whole reason he is, the Dennis character makes them take off their shirts is because Anya Taylor-Joy is covered in scars. And which is also a, there, <laughs> there I feel like there are, there's a less over the top way to convey cutting or the fact yeah. that she's, has Faced adversity, you know, she's not like. I agree. Uh, I mean, you have this. I don't know. I, I thought I thought they were going to go because cl- clearly that's what sets her apart from these other girls. Yes. Um, I just thought the the reveal she would she would take more control as an actor. It, it yeah. wouldn't. It wouldn't just be. There's this physical manifestation of her suffering there for him to see. I agree. I thought she would take a more active role in whatever caused him to understand that. It was it seemed I, like a little lazy. It was. You're, that's exactly the right word. It, it seemed uh, the easy way out is what I was going to say, but lazy works just fine too. It wasn't. Uh, it 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 seemed like a convenient way to. Ex- to express something that's that should be really difficult and done in a more nuanced way, and they just it's just kind of handled haphazardly, and it's not there's that is such a serious issue, and that is such a uh, a powerful emotional issue, and it's done and with just kind of a I don't want to say wink and a nod because they it goes they go into it more than that, but it just doesn't isn't handled deftly. I don't. It, it's not, and there's no, there's no real, there's no real conclusion for. Um, no, there's not. Which I'm wondering, and I'm wondering if maybe she's gonna have some kind of superpower come unbreakable time. I that that's the twist right there. Eh. She's the real villain all along. <laughs> Dear God, that that. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing, though, is I feel like with with him, we're walking on eggshells all the time. Like, I feel like any moment, we're going to revert back to the happening. Like, I, that's my biggest fear, too. Is like, it's hard to put stuff... I mean, this movie, was, we both agreed. It was good. The performances were great. The, it was... I, but I feel like there's a lot of him sprinkled in this with the sexualization, the laziness of the handling of the sexual abuse, and sexualization of these women and the there's just little things that you know he's still there the bad things are still there that he and it's just i'm really i think he we're walking on yeah. eggshells a little bit i mean you you go through you set up all the stuff and you don't end up empowering the main the, yeah. the protagonist and, and it's just it it just doesn't 
it doesn't feel right and it doesn't feel I mean, good. I mean, for a lot of reasons, I think that you can compare this movie to Tim Cloverfield Lane. And um, uh, for obvious reasons. And uh, I mean, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character, you know, they, she's giving she's given emotional issues that she has to deal with to, to escape this this bunker and her issues of trust and self-reliance actually mean something in the end of the character and um she has to overcome them to escape yeah and in i mean in in this film you feel like her abuse is just to provide context yes. for the fact that she's a survivor yes uh but she she doesn't you know that doesn't that doesn't really there's no arc there no um, i agree there's not yeah and it's just not not yeah, she, she, you're right. Yeah. There, there, there really isn't a protagonist arc at all in this. Not, not the way. I mean, it's, it's. This is not something where you should use it so, so lightly. Uh, I, I feel like. I agree. I, so I don't know. I. Yeah, it's. But hey, we we like this film. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we enjoyed it. Um, anything else you want to say before we wrap it up? What uh what what shit show are we wandering into next time? I have no idea. In in fact, uh oh, the the possum has a suggestion. Yeah. Um, the dogs dogs uh, purpose? No. What's no, that girl? No 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 no. Dogs purpose is sucking a well. <laughs> Make, I, forcing it to swim in rapids and it's showing signs of distress. Uh man. What's that? The the only the one pitfall you had to avoid making a movie about animals. <laughs> And you fucked it up? <laughs> I mean, should we see Resident Evil? I mean... No. No. Absolutely not. Was that... Are you being serious? Uh, that's... Yeah, that's what I think of it too, Possum. Uh, I, no. I don't... I mean... What... There... Uh, we... we I, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage. We don't have a lot to choose from here. It's, it's gonna be... Um... Patriots Day? No, I don't want to. Peter Berg is just he just double double. We 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 liked what he did, and he's just doubling down with Mark Wahlberg as his as his fucking muse, and it's I'm I don't want to. Mark Wahlberg was the worst part of Deepwater Horizon. Like you don't you don't need to like collaborate with him more and harder you need to go a I mean, different direction here's the thing is i really don't want to see that movie but it's got a 80% on rotten tomatoes and it's this is the consensus patriots day offers a stirring solidly crafted tribute to the heroes of real life american tragedy without straying into exploitative action thriller territory the i mean the most of what I've heard it basically says it is this film does not really need to be made and Mark Wahlberg's character does not need to be in the film. Uh, and it's, it is, it comes across as pandering, which I, it, but it's, it's still a well-crafted film. And I just, I don't, that to me was my biggest issue was like, is it going to come up pandering? Cause it just seems like it, it should, I, you know what? The, I don't know. I think we're going to have to spend a lot more time talking on it than we have here. Plus, my wife is outside waiting with some sushi, so... Okay. Well, we the good news is, um, starting ar- around the 10th, 
we have a couple weeks of some good options. <laughs> yeah, good. Uh, but until then, it is a a a fucking desert. It's a wasteland. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a wasteland. It, it. I mean, yeah, it's bad. So uh, you know, I don't. I would rather see Sleepless or Triple X than Resident Evil. Yeah. So anyway, we'll be coming back to you yeah. next week with a mystery film. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, all right, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Midnight Film Review. We will catch you on the flip side. Okay, bye. <laughs>